Mark chapter 1, verse 40. As is always the case, if you did not bring your Bible, and we always encourage you to carry your Bible to church, but if you did not for some reason, there is one in the seat in front of you. We encourage you to take that and follow along as we read. Mark chapter 1, verse 40. Now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him, and saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him, and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. And he strictly warned him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go your way, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded as a testimony to them. However, he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the matter so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city, but was outside in deserted places, and they came to him from every direction. Father God, thank you for your word. I pray right now that you would fill me with your spirit and help me, Lord, with this message. I pray, Father, that it would be clear, and I pray that it would be powerful. I pray, Lord, that there would not be a single person who is not touched and affected by this today, especially, Lord, if there's any here who don't know you yet as Savior. Uh, May they hear the gospel clearly through this. And through this, uh, the testimony of this leper, we pray. Uh, help me, Lord, to say the things that I ought to and not say anything I ought not. Uh, again, fill me with your spirit uh, to teach and to preach. And fill us all with your spirit to hear and to receive. And, Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, a leper came to him. Verse number 40. Leprosy was a terrible, terrible Condition. Let me read you some descriptions of leprosy. Barclay, in his, docu- uh, his uh, commentary, describes it like this. He says, The whole appearance of the face is changed. So the man loses his human appearance and looks, as the ancients said, like a lion or a satyr. The nodules grow larger and larger. They ulcerate and become staring. The voice becomes hoarse and the breath wheezes because of the ulceration of the vocal cords. The hands and the feet always ulcerate. Slowly, the sufferer becomes a mass of ulcerated growths. The average course of the disease is nine years, and it ends in mental decay, coma, and ultimately death. The sufferer becomes utterly repulsive, both to himself and to others. Another pastor described leprosy like this. He said, the disease which we today call leprosy generally begins with pain in certain areas of the body. Numbness follows. Soon the skin in such spots loses its original color. It gets to be thick, glossy, and scaly. In fact, the affliction is called leprosy because it makes the skin scaly. The the Greek word lepos means scale. As the sickness progresses, the thickened spots become dirty sores and ulcers due to poor blood supply. The skin, especially around the eyes and the ears, begins to bunch with deep furrows between the swellings so that the face of the afflicted individual begins to resemble that of a lion. Fingers drop off or are absorbed. Toes are affected similarly. Eyebrows and eyelashes drop off. By this time, one can see that the person in this pitiable pitiable condition is a leper. One more description from J.C. Ryle in his commentary. He said, leprosy is a complaint of which we know little or nothing in our northern climate. In Bible lands, it is far more common. It is a disease which was completely incurable. It is no mere skin infection, as some ignorantly suppose. It is a radical disease of the whole man. It attacks not merely the skin, but the blood, the flesh, 
and the bones until the unhappy patient begins to lose his extremities and to rot by inches. Let us remember besides this that amongst the Jews, the leper was reckoned unclean and was cut off from the congregation of Israel in the ordinances of religion. He had to live in a separate house. No one was allowed to touch him or serve him. Let us remember all this, and then we may have some idea of the remarkable wretchedness of a person with leprosy. Leprosy was a terrible condition. I wonder if you've ever known anybody that was a leper. Anybody ever known somebody that was a leper? If you were to look around you right here, do you see anybody that was a leper? The answer may surprise you, because the fact is, I used to be a leper. And all of those who are saved used to be lepers. And if you are here today without Christ, you're a leper still. For Scripture, uh, in addition to the fact that leprosy being it was a very real physical condition, Scripture also tells us that it is a picture of the spiritual state of those who are lost and without Christ. It's a picture of sin specifically. Sin which so desperately ravages us. Every aspect of leprosy can be seen to picture that. And so you see, I was once a leper. And those here who are saved are or were once lepers. And just like this leper, I one day found the road to cleansing and salvation through Jesus Christ. And the way this leper was saved and the way this leper was cleansed is exactly the same way that you can be saved. And you can be cleansed if you have never been uh, cleansed of your leprosy. So let's notice. Let's just examine a little bit about what happened with this fellow and see if we can apply it today. I want you to notice four things about him. First of all, I want you to notice that he discovered the road to salvation. He discovered the road to salvation. Look at verse 40 again. A leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him, and saying to him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. The whole thing is right there in that verse. This man came to Christ. He confessed his need. He asked for cleansing, and he believed in the ability of the Savior to do it. He came, he confessed, he asked, and he believed. And such is the road to salvation for any of us, is it not? A leper came to him. He came to Christ. And I think this is the first of many remarkable things in this story because lepers were outcasts, as we've just, we've just seen in, in some of those descriptions that I read to you. They had to stay away from others. They weren't to be around other people. They were to live in isolation. They had to announce their presence to anyone wandering nearby. They had to shout, unclean, so that anybody who happened to wander anywhere near them could avoid it and stay away. So it was a bold move indeed for this diseased man to push his way through a crowd, to make his way up to Jesus, and to fall at his feet. One of the Gospels adds that he literally was prostrate, prostrate at the feet of Jesus Christ. He came to Jesus. And that, of course, is the first step, is it not, in any of us coming to, to salvation on the road to salvation. The Bible repeatedly stresses that any of us may come to Christ, and all of us are invited to come to Christ. The Spirit and the bride say, come, and let him who hears say, come, and let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely, Revelation 22:17 says. The songwriter said, whosoever cometh need not delay. Now the door is open. Enter while you may. Jesus is the true, the only living way, and whosoever will may come. All may come. And all must come if they're ever going to find salvation. Another interesting thing is that none who ever come are ever turned away. Jesus said in John chapter 6 and verse number 37, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. 
So look at this leper. What a picture he is of these things. He came. And just as he came, so can we. You know, I think those who don't find healing and don't find help and deliverance and salvation in Christ often fail right at this very point. They just simply will not come. Jesus said that. He said in John chapter 5 and verse number 40, uh, you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. We have to come. The leper came to him. Came to him. He did something else too. And I think you have to read between the lines a little bit to see this. But he did something else. He confessed his need. Do you see that there? A leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him, and saying to him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. He confessed his need. I think I see that in that last little phrase. You can make me clean. I see their confession. I see him saying, I am filthy. I am diseased. I am lost. I am undone. I am without hope. I am as good as dead. And of course... We know the same is true of us, don't we? Without Christ. I am without hope. I am undone, filthy, diseased, lost. Isaiah said we are all as an unclean thing. And all our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Paul said to the Romans in chapter 3, What then are we better than they? Not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So this leper recognized that. He came to Jesus and he confessed his need. And he did something else. He did something else. He asked Jesus to heal him. Now a leper came to him imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. He asked This is not an extraneous step. It was not an extraneous step for him, and it's not an extraneous step for us. It's a necessary one. I'm constantly bothered, and probably you are too, by the sheer numbers of people who won't take this necessary step. They simply won't ask. They might be fully cognizant of the fact that they are a leper. They might be fully aware of the fact that that Jesus can save them. They might believe and, and understand that if they'll simply come to him and confess their need and ask for it, their leprosy will be gone in an instant, but they will not ask. Altar calls are given, and they stand like a stone. The pastor says, you don't have to step out. You can, you can, you can trust Christ right where you are, and they will not ask. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Nobody's looking around. It's between you and God, and they will not ask. It's an astonishing thing, but it's also one that has to take place. Because if we do not ask, we do not receive. Last Lord's Day, Kathy and I took the day off and we worshipped at Parkside Church. Alistair Begg is one of my favorite preachers, and so once in a while I like to go and listen to him. He's, he's my lawn mowing preacher, you know. I, until my headsets broke, I, I like to listen to him when I was mowing the lawn. I recall one time I was mowing and listening to him preach, and, uh, and, and he, he mentioned something that I want to mention to you today. He quoted from Romans, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That's Romans 10, 9 and 10. He quoted from verse 13, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then he asked this question, and I'm going to ask the same question of you. He said, If the Bible says you must confess with your mouth in order to be saved, what does that mean then to the one who does not confess with their mouth? He said, if the Bible says you must call upon the name of the Lord in order to be saved, then what must we conclude 
about the one who simply will not call. If the Bible says we must ask and we do not ask, what is our state? And, of course, we know the answer, don't we? The answer is simple. We're lost. We're lost. And so this leper, he came, he confessed, and he asked. And then he did one other extremely critical thing on this road to salvation. He believed. He believed. A leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him, and saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. You can make me clean. I find it very interesting that this leper believed that. I mean, after all, why would he? Why would he believe that? Nobody was cleansed from leprosy. It just didn't happen. There had been no recorded uh, healing of leprosy in Israel since all the way back Moses and Miriam. You remember that in Numbers. It was the last time it had happened in Israel. And the only other time that it's recorded in Scripture was outside of Israel, and that was Naaman the Syrian, and that was in the days of Elisha. It had been hundreds of years and only twice in all of history that anyone had been healed of leprosy. One man said that the rabbis regarded leprosy as humanly incurable. Only twice does the Old Testament record that God cleansed the leper, and we mentioned those two, Numbers chapter 12, 2 Kings chapter 5. Yet this leper was convinced that Jesus could cleanse him. Without presumption, if you are willing, and without doubting Jesus' ability, you can make me clean. He humbly begged Jesus to heal him. I find it interesting that he believed, in spite of the rabbi's belief. In spite of the fact that Jesus had not yet healed a leper, we have no record of that, that he had done that up to this point. We're early in his ministry at this point. Still, this man was convinced Jesus could do just that. He believed. And so from this leper, we see the road to salvation, don't we? Because we find healing from our leprosy the exact same way he did. We must come to the Savior. Have you done that? Have you come to the Savior? We must... Confess our need. Have you done that? Have you come to recognize and admit that you're full of leprosy and that there is no cure? We must ask him to heal us. So many fail right here, fall down right here. So many stop short. Have you done that? Have you said, Lord Jesus, please save me? You must. And we must believe that he is able and willing to cure our leprosy save our souls. Well, so he discovered the road to salvation. Let me, let me share something else I think he discovered. I think he also discovered the reason for salvation, and we see that in verse 41. The reason for salvation. Then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing. Be cleansed. I am willing. Be cleansed. What would make Jesus want to heal this man? I mean, picture this. Picture this loathsome individual kneeling and prostrate at his feet. What would make Jesus want to touch him and heal him? What made Jesus want to heal anybody? Why, why did he make the blind to see? And why did he give hearing back to the deaf and make the lame walk? Why did he heal Peter's mother-in-law in, a, in just the previous few verses? Why did he heal Jairus' daughter? Why did he make blind Bartimaeus see? Why did he raise Lazarus from the dead? Why would Jesus want to do any of these things? Why would he want to make a man whose flesh was rotten and putrefied from leprosy whole again? For that matter, why would he want to heal you of your spiritual leprosy? Why would he want to save my sin-blackened soul? Why? I think the answer is here in verse 41, and I think it's absolutely wonderful. Then Jesus moved with compassion, 
stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing to be cleansed. It was because of his compassion. Jesus loved this leper. That's an astonishing thought. You've got to get your brain around that. Jesus loved this leper. It's a concept we sing about all the time. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so, but I don't think we really understand the depths of the love of the Savior for this man or for us. That love that he had for this rotting leper is exactly the same love that he has for you and for me. Now, there's two things in this verse that I think describe a little bit about the love the Savior had for this leper, and by extension for you and me. First, consider the fact that he touched him. Consider the fact that Jesus touched him. It's really not unusual because this was a common activity for Jesus. One commentator points out that there are at least eight instances in Mark where Jesus reached out and touched those needing him. We already saw it in verse number 31 when Christ healed Peter's mother-in-law and he took her by the hand and raised her up. And here we see him laying his hand on a leper. When we get to chapter 5 and verse 41, we'll see him heal Jairus' little daughter. And he took her by the hand and said, Talitha kumai, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Chapter 6 and verse 5, he lay his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Chapter 7, verse 33, he encountered the deaf and dumb man. And the apostle Mark says, after he took him aside away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. And he said to him, Ephatha, which means be opened. We'll get to chapter 8 and verse 23, and later he did almost the same thing for the blind man at Bethsaida there. In chapter 9 and chapter 10, in the midst of his busy ministry, he repeatedly took little children in his arms. In chapter 9 and verse 27, we see him raising up the formerly demonized boy. So Jesus touched this leper. And it's an amazing thing, because when Jesus touched this leper, he made himself ceremonially, ceremonially unclean. He didn't touch lepers, but Jesus touched the leper. Think about what a picture that is of what he does for each of us. Kent Hughes, in his commentary on this, said, The touch of Christ's pure hand on the rotting leper is a parable of the Incarnation. Jesus, in the Incarnation, took on flesh, became sin for us, and thus gave us his purity. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus laid hold of our flesh. He touched us and healed us. See Jesus bent over the prostrate leper, his holy hand resting on the decaying flesh of this foul-smelling leper, and you see what he did for him, and you see what he did for us. What a picture. What a picture of the depths of Jesus' love. He touched him. Imagine what that would have been like for this leper who had not felt a human touch in probably years of his life. But there's another thing here that explains the depths of Jesus' love, and that's the word that's used. The word that's used here is splanknathase in the Greek, splanknathase. And it means to feel compassion for, to have pity on, to have one's heart go out to someone. But it means more than that. Strong in his dictionary indicates it's from a root word which means to be moved in the inward parts. And again, let me read from somebody who has a lot of good things to say about this. He says, verse 41 says, Our Lord was filled with compassion. And that describes a visceral reaction in Jesus' part. On Jesus' part, he felt it in his stomach. Is literally what that word means. He felt it in his stomach. So you get that? This word, splanknathes, indicates that Christ's feelings of love for this man were in his gut. It was a gut feeling, a gut reaction. 
One man said, what super exalted revelation of the sons and the father's heart we see here. Take this to your heart and hold it there with all you have. The Savior has compassion for your leprosy, heart to heart, gut for gut. He does more than understand. He felt the full weight of your sins on the cross. Take heart, there is someone who compassionately feels with you for the effects of sin in your life. Hmm. Spurgeon, my favorite preacher of all time, describes that word translated compassion like this. He says, the Greek word here used, if I were to pronounce it in your hearing, would half suggest its own meaning. It expresses a stirring of the entire manhood, a commotion in all the inward parts. The heart and all the vitals of the man are in active movement. The Savior was greatly moved. Why would Jesus want to heal this leper? Because he felt his pain. Because he felt his agony deep in his inmost being. And that same gut level, (laughs) love, is what he feels for you and what he feels for me. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus. Vast, unmeasured, boundless, free. Rolling as a mighty ocean in its fullness over me. Underneath me, all around me, is the current of thy love. Leading onward, leading homeward to thy glorious rest above. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus. Spread his praise from shore to shore. How he loveth, ever loveth, changeth never, nevermore. How he watches o'er his loved ones, died to call them all his own. How for them he intercedeth, watcheth o'er them from the throne. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus, love of every love the best. Tis an ocean full of blessing, tis a haven giving rest. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus, tis a heaven of heavens to me. And it lifts me up to glory, for it lifts me up to thee. Then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. So he discovered the reality of salvation, or the reason for salvation rather. The third point I want you to see is in verse 42, where he discovered the reality of salvation. As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. And again, let me just suggest a couple of wonderful realities here that talk about this man's healing, but they also apply to our salvation as well. First notice that his cleansing was immediate. Immediate. And here again we find Mark's favorite word. We mentioned this a couple times, I think, already in, uh, in our study of Mark. Uh, Mark loves that word immediately. It's from the Greek word euthus. He used it 42 times in his gospel. You're reading Mark, it jumps out at you immediately, 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 immediately. As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him. Immediately. Now, you need to get that word in your mind because it's true not only of his healing but also of yours and mine. When we come to Jesus as he did and when we confess our need of the Savior as he did and when we believe him able and willing to save us and when we ask for the gift of salvation just as he did, immediately we receive it. It's an important word. I'm not going to be saved someday. I am saved. I'm saved now, and I have been saved from the very moment I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I'm not going to receive eternal life someday. I have eternal life right now. I'm going to live forever, and I have possessed eternal life as a present possession from the very moment I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior, from the very moment I knelt at the feet of Jesus like this leper and confessed and believed and asked for salvation from that moment. 
Immediately, I receive salvation and eternal life in all their fullness. Immediately. Let me suggest a second reality, though, about this cleansing. It was total. It was total. As soon as he had spoken immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Now, you've got to think about that for a minute. You have to use your imagination about this for a minute. Think about what that must have looked like when immediately this man was cleansed. One preacher in a sermon I was reading about this, he imagined it like this. He said, we could imagine what this leper felt like as the leprosy disappeared. The scales dropped off his skin and it became like a child's skin. His sores disappeared and the foul odor was no longer present in his nostrils. His eyebrows and eyelashes returned. His white hair became, white hair became pitch black. His hoarse voice was replaced by the strong vocal cords of his youth. The numbness and pain was replaced by the rush of blood throughout his body. The fingers and toes that had dropped off in days gone by were restored. The face of an old lion now turned to that of a newborn lamb. The deep sorrow was replaced by joy. His isolation was replaced by a return to fellowship. I'm healed. I'm clean. I'm whole. He cried in joy and amazement, and all this happened through the compassion and the touch of our loving physician's hand. It was immediate, and it was total. Another pictured it like this. He said, immediately the leprosy left him, and he was cured. The healing was sudden. It was complete. His feet, toeless, ulcerated stubs, were suddenly whole, bursting his shrunken sandals. The knobs on his hands grew fingers before his very eyes. Back came his hair, eyebrows, eyelashes. Under his hair were ears, and before him a nose. His skin was supple and soft. Can you hear a thundering roar from the multitude? Can you hear the man crying out and crying, not unclean, but I'm clean. I'm clean. Realize this glorious truth. This man would never be a leper again. He was cleansed. It was total. And now apply that wonderful truth to the leprosy that all of us have when we come to Jesus, when we confess, when we believe, when we ask for salvation. We ask for it and believe it. We not only receive it immediately, we receive it in total. We will never be a leper again. Most assuredly, Jesus said, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Immediate and total. One last thought. He demonstrated the result of salvation. The result of salvation. Verse 43, he strictly warned him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded as a testimony to them. However, he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the matter so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city, but was outside in deserted places, and they came to him from every direction. Jesus told him to give testimony. He said, This has happened to you. I want you to go tell. But he wanted him to go through the official channel described in the Old Testament. The priest would have to investigate this man. Had he been a leper? <laughs> yeah. Had he been healed? Yes. And then once that cleansing was verified, the question then would be, how was he healed? And the answer, of course, was by this man of Galilee named Jesus, who was claiming to be the Messiah. And he was proving it by healing the lame and the dumb and the deaf and the blind and the downtrodden and now this leper. And then that evidence would be submitted to the Sanhedrin and they would have to debate over it and investigate and declare what they thought. You see, Jesus was generating 
an investigation into his person, into his power, into his messiahship. He wanted the religious leaders to know he was coming as their messiah. And that's what he told him to do. But of course he didn't do that, did he? At least we don't have a record that he did that. He, he did just the opposite. He, he couldn't contain his joy. And he spread the matter all over the place. I love the way the King James Version says. The King James Version says he blazed it abroad. And that's what he did. He could not contain it. And such is the result. Is it not when we are cleansed of our leprosy? We can't contain it. We have to tell it. I see this leper blazing abroad his joy. And you know what I hear? I hear a song in my mind that I used to hear sung in this church for so many years. It only takes a spark to get a little fire going. And soon all those around can warm up in the glowing, and that's how it is with God's love. Once you've experienced it, you'll spread his love to everyone. You'll want to pass it on. I'll shout it from the mountaintop. I want the world to know the Lord of love has come to me. I want to pass it on. That was the result of this glorious cleansing in this leper's life. Well, so a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And so I ask you one more time. Have you been cleansed of your leprosy? Are you saved? You see, the the greatest lesson we can learn from this leper is that anyone can find healing And anyone can find life in Christ by simply doing what he did. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Confess your need. Ask Jesus to save you and believe that Jesus can save you. And immediately and totally, loving you as you have never been loved before, he will do just that.